0: My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull working somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to America. Other people want to make friends? I'm just trying to make you some money and live through this show. Because my job is not just to entertain you, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1 800 743 CNBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. It's not just the week of the Super Bowl, it's the week of the Super Bowl of earnings. That's right, even as we hit still more record highs today, Dow gaining 224 points, S&P climbing 1.18%, NASDAQ falling 1.28%, even as President Trump made the pitch for doing business in America at Davos. It's the earnings that are front and center, so let's get right to the game plan for next week. (laughs) Does anyone else blow their nose on TV? (laughs) I don't think so. I'm the only guy. What do the other guys do? It's a good question, isn't it? All right. Lockheed Martin kicks things off on Monday, and all I can say is you want this company to give you some reason, any reason, to get into what's become the hottest group in the market, and that's the defense sector. Now, I know the president is at Davos touting the U.S. as a place to do business and threatening sanctions, of course, against unfair trade practices. But there's another way to do business with America. You can buy one of our finest exports, military hardware, which is Lockheed's Stock and Trade. When you can buy Trump's sales pitch with... The fact that defense is the only thing Republicans really like to spend money on, it's no wonder this group has been so strong. Unfortunately, you haven't gotten many opportunities to buy the defense stocks into weakness. Hopefully, Lockheed will say something, because it's a very modest company that causes a quick dip so you can get in. Tuesday's Big Pharma rears its head, okay, Uh, and then we hear from Pfizer. Each quarter, Pfizer tries to come up with something new to intrigue us. They try. I guess they can't all be AbV, which is up $15 today. Thanks to, get this, earnings growth, not buybacks. Actual growth. I wouldn't hold your breath if you're waiting for that kind of thing from Pfizer, though. Pfizer's a, like a utility. Decent dividend. We also hear from McDonald's, one of the greatest comeback stories of our era. CEO Steve Easterbrook has turned this aging hulk around to the point where it's now doing three times the same store sales as Starbucks in the U.S. And while I don't have a man crush on him, I'm certainly blown away by how he keeps delivering. I think value is one part of the story, but the other part, wow, okay, the bathrooms are clean. Don't laugh. The old pre-Easter book McDonald's didn't have either. After the close to get results from a and and judging by Intel's amazing quarter, which sent the stock surging more than 10% today, this should be AMD's time to shine. Can it break through this level, this 1213, 12, 1213? 12, you bet as long as Dr. Lisa Sue, the CEO, tells a good story, and I expect she will. The earning Super Bowl goes into full, full throttle on Wednesday. In the morning, we hear from the hottest stock in the Dow, Boeing. Given that I have a bullish 10-year uh, perspective on aircraft, I have to hope that the short-term crowd comes out in force, and sells the stock, maybe on some niggling cash flow miss or organic growth shading, or on, on the loss of a trading commission case against Bombardier, which happened today. Now, I say that you might get a chance to buy it because Honeywell, the conglomerate with huge aerospace content, reported today, and they gave you a slight miss in organic growth. So the stock initially looked weaker off that headline, but that was a buying opportunity as Honeywell quickly reversed and surged higher. By the way, all the industrials were up big today. I think a lot of it's Davos. A lot of it is the president. After listening to Intel's quarter just last night, I am pretty convinced that the one area I was worried about slow, slowing personal computer sales. It just didn't pan out. Sure, PC sales were still down 2%, but the rate of decline is petering out, and that's all that really matters. This relative improvement, along with the strength in the data center business, allowed Intel to thrive. I mention all this because Microsoft wins with both the PC and the data center. With the latter fitting into the company's booming Azure cloud business, Chattelable Trust owns it. I expect a monster quarter. I expect it to go higher even after the run it's had today. Now, Facebook's a different story. I'm not that the Chattelable Trust doesn't own it, but get this, I think the social media titan will put the estimates to shame, but that's all that you're gonna get that's good. I expect management will trash their own stock by talking down revenues and talking up expenses. And that will spook people, make matters worse. Facebook will open the selling window for their shareholders who work at the company, and we, we will see some first-class stock dumping from their top executives. So even if the numbers are as fabulous as I'm anticipating, the action is just going to be nightmarish. What can I tell you? It's just the way this stock has been since it came public. And next week will be no different. If you thought Wednesday was big, get a load of Thursday. Alibaba reports in the morning. I expect a total blowout because they're the masters of under and over And no, I don't care that it's over 200. It goes higher. Don't get faked out. The first move is usually up, next move down, and then they run the table on the highs. So either buy it before the quarter or wait for that usual morning down light. After the close, we hear from the three A's, Alphabet, Amazon, and Apple. Memo to these tech giants, stop trying to give me a heart attack. Would it really be so hard for you to report on different days? No. All right, let me give you the rundown on each. First, I think Alphabet disappoints and then spends the rest of the quarter trading up as people realize, well, maybe that quarter wasn't so bad. Do you know that that's actually what's happened over and over again? Now, I wish they used some of their overseas cash for a buyback, but that doesn't seem like their style. I don't even think they like talking about their company anymore. So uh, Be careful. Be careful. And I say that knowing that my travel trust owns it. I see Amazon saying that it's going to spend a fortune building a new headquarters, and that hurts the stock even after a fabulous quarter, giving you still one more chance to buy as analysts get nervous. Apple, I think you have a half dozen analysts who've hated this thing all the way up from 93. And it will be the night of the long knives as they spin whatever the heck Apple says into a national fiasco of epic proportions. I am waiting for one of these bears to call Apple a pitiful, helpless giant like Nixon said about America during the Vietnam War. They'll seize on weakening sales of the new iPhone 10. So I just got to get you ready. I'm not so glib as to say that there won't be anything wrong with the quarter. There will be. There may be plenty things wrong. But even if it's perfect, the analysts will find some way to make Apple look bad. It's what they do. I think it's ridiculous. It's what they've done, and they've kept you out of it for ages. Remember, though, The analysts still have to contend with the fact that Apple has the potential to give us a gigantic buyback and a huge dividend boost. Of course, these guys are tech analysts, which means they they don't want no stinking buybacks. They want the kind of growth that that you get from a, I don't know, from an Adobe or a VMware. Did you see that thing today? Or a Salesforce or Workday. I think Apple's not really a tech play. It's the greatest consumer product company of our time. It just happens to be powered by fantastic technology. If Apple were covered, say, by the consumer products analysts, the ones who cover Procter or Colgate, they'd never stop singing its praises. The stock would be at $200. Unfortunately, that's not the way it works. Thursday evening, we also hear from another, and I want you to write this one down because it's probably going to be a blowout, Amgen. This biotech has a ton of cash overseas, and they've had some big wins of late, including a potential migraine breakthrough. Amgen my choice for biotech of the year right now, and there's no time like the present to pick some up. Again, I'm conscious of the run it just had. Friday's oil day. We get results from ExxonMobil and Chevron. The first will likely be lackluster, and the second will be unabashedly positive. That's been the pattern for a year now. I bet this time will be no different. Here's the bottom line. The Super Bowl of earnings, unlike the actual Super Bowl, never lets you down in terms of sheer excitement. I can't wait for the week to begin. Oh, yes, there's also the game. Eagles! Eagles! and also Amazon, Apple, and all the other stuff. Okay, let's go to Stan in Georgia. Stan!
1: Displaced New York, booyah to you. Done your way. Hey, hey Jim, uh, so in keeping with your fundamentals of uh, investing, over the past six or seven years, I've accumulated about 1,000 shares of Delta Airlines, and it's been a terrific uh, uh, stock to own. But over the past week or so, there's been a little bit of a sell-off, and also uh, reading some things that may be disruptive, to to the sector fundamentals. So I'm curious what you think about the sector and more specifically about Delta Airlines. Is it going to be clear skies or is there turbulence ahead? Stan, I got to tell you,
0: I was on that United Airlines call in United Continental, and it's very clear that they've decided, you know what, we're going to have a fair war. And if we're going to have a fair war, everybody gets hurt. I would sell half the Delta, let the rest run. But a fair war is bad for business. Good for customer Bad for business. Tim in California. Tim. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. I've owned Arconic since it was Alcoa. Okay. And I have like a two-part question. Mm -hmm. Is the new tax code or rate going to help them or not? And what's the other? and, And also, they've had disappointing earnings every time I've had it. And I just wondered if you'd see a brighter outcome this time. All right, Tim, my chapel owns it. I think it'll be disappointing. And I don't think it'll be any good. Uh, so then why do we sell it? Because Why don't we sell it? Well, because the assets are worth a lot more than the actual uh, earnings. Uh, do I think they'll screw it up? I don't know, probably. Uh, is it worth owning because of that? Eh, let it come down. Then do some more buying. But that's the way things are. Man, I'm in a real truth-telling mode tonight, aren't I? Let's go to – not that I wouldn't be normally. It's just that I'm not as uh, Gandhi-like about it. Let's go to Curtis, North Carolina. Curtis. Mr. Kramer, thanks so much for taking the call, man. Uh, How about the Eagles and Nick Foles? There you go. Now, that's the kind of question that I wanted. Is there also a question? Oh, uh, there's probably something about stocks too, but this is not ESPN. What's up? Unbelievable, man! I'm hoping they bring that title home to the city of Philadelphia. But oh, listen, God, what in I the wide, some- wide world of RVs is going on with Thor Industries today? Oh, somebody downgraded it. You know, periodically you get a chance to get into stock. Now there usually isn't much for Thor. You don't get to. You don't get to move into it. But they gave it to you today. Uh, pull the trigger, Monday. Thor is an experiential story that will last for many years to come. All right, it's the Super Bowl of Earnings. Earnings from key companies are front and center next week, and I'm expecting some major blowouts. Please write them down because there's opportunity. Hey, we nailed the intel this week. On Mad Money tonight, Lamb Research may have taken a hit yesterday, but it's up nearly 10% over the past month alone. What do drones and data centers mean for his future? Do not miss my interview with the CEO at FirstLand Support. Then does FANG have all the action. Hmm, what is he gonna do? A piece about Facebook, on Netflix, Google? No, Diamondback Energy, FANG. And we all know technology is transforming our world, but how is it impacting competitor sports? I'm talking with a man who knows. So stick with Kramer.
1: Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer, hashtag MadTweaks. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com. Or give us a call at one 800 743 cnbc Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com.
0: What in the world just happened to Lamb Research, the big semiconductor capital equipment maker? On Wednesday night, Lamb reported what seemed to be one of the biggest blowouts uh, 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 maybe over the last couple years. The company delivered a massive 66-cent earnings beat off a $3.68 basis with higher-than-expected sales up 37% year-over-year. Management gave strong guidance for the next quarter. Conference calls upbeat. Yet even though the stock opened strong yesterday, starting in the afternoon, it sold off hard, ultimately closing down 5%. And here's the thing. We, still, we really don't know why. I suspect that Lamb's weakness mostly had to do with profit-taking if the stock had rallied nearly 75% last year. And as of yesterday morning, it had run up another 14% for 2018. Now, you're getting a rare pullback in a red-hot sector, so could this be a terrific buying opportunity? Let's take a closer look with Martin Ansis. He's the president and CEO of Lamb Research. Hear more about the quarter and where the company and the industry is headed. Mr. Ansis, welcome back to Mad Money.
1: Jim, thank you for, uh, for allowing me to be on the show today and belated Happy New Year to you.
0: Oh, same, same. Martin, I went through the call, went through the release, went through the deck, and I came away with one thing, which is that we are early innings, early innings in data center and Internet of Things, and it's just starting. Would that be a good takeaway?
1: I think that's a great takeaway. I uh I think obviously we had a tremendous year, I would say an extraordinary year last year. We grew our company by 50 percentage points, and and now over an extended period, five or six years, we've grown the company at 25% a year. And that speaks to the engagement of LAM research on a much broader scale in uh, in the silicon and semiconductor industry. Um, and it speaks to the role of silicon in this world of data that we now live in. So there's an extraordinary amount of innovation in the application space, and silicon sits right at the center of that. And, and that's the reason why the company is performing so well, and it's the reason why we're excited about the opportunity that's ahead of us. Just beginning, as, as, you, as you said.
0: Now, uh, we all are conditioned, those of us who've been around for a long time, that a LAM, a Novellus, KLA 10 Core, whatever, that these are big cyclical companies, and there's giant cycles, and they're good. They're their bed. You are not talking about that at all. You are talking about a secular growth story for both you and your clients. Why do so few people other than you? Well, let's say so few people believe that.
1: I think I think it's uh, perhaps the, the natural consequence of, you know, the time it takes to process and internalize the scale of of this technology inflection in the broader economy. I mean, the the reality is there is an extraordinary inflection occurring. Uh, the world in every respect, every segment of the economy, every aspect of our lives is being influenced by this roadmap of innovation and in applications. Silicon's right at the center of that, and, and so is LAM. And it's, it's just beginning, and it takes time. So historically, our industry would dialogue around units, units of cell phones, units of PCs. That is still relevant, but nowhere close to the relevance today that was true previously. Today, it's about content. Cell phone growth, uh, single digits, content growth in cell phone, 50% per year for the last couple of years and forecasted again this year. The data center, instrumental now in terms of the sustainability of demand for silicon and the sustainability of our business. Five years ago, the relationship of demand for non-volatile memory, NAND flash, from the, from the cell phone and the data center was a five-to-one ratio. Today, it's two-to-one. The data center, the diversification of demand for silicon is, is, is the answer to sustainability. It's very exciting.
0: Okay, so let, if we just want to deal with reversal in the stock intraday, I think you solved that. You say at one point in the call, I hope there isn't skepticism around the corner itself because I hope at this point, We've got a track record of actually delivering on the kind kind of quarters that you gave. I think that the answer to this is that, Martin, no matter what you do, there's going to be skepticism. But I think it has to do with how far your stock ran, not about the idea that it's density, because I think you've convinced us it's density, not units. Do you agree that it's just—I mean, you have to accept the fact that your stock's been a rocket ship and people just ring in the register.
1: I think it takes time, to your point, and there's an ebb and flow of valuation. But at the end of the day, our focus is on the things that we can control and creating opportunity to contribute to the success of our customers. Our focus is to develop differentiated enabling technology for our customers. Our definition of success is to compete for a broader scale of wafer fabrication equipment spending each year and to win and defend with differentiated solutions more each year as well. And the headline since we brought Lam and Nivellis together first year after uh, we formed this new company, we had uh, shipments that represented 14 percent of the spending of our customers in that year. Last year, 21 percent. This is a story of expanding our portfolio, engaging more broadly in the segments of the industry. That's what we get chance to control. And uh, we trust that eventually the valuation of the company um, is consistent with where we are in terms of performance and the reality of opportunity in the years ahead. We're very excited
0: at what point do we recognize that, the, that the, uh, there is a bit of a razor, razor blade model here, too? Your service stream, which you don't break out to the level that I would like, must be gigantic at this point, because these are huge machines, and no one can service them other than you.
1: Yeah, that's a, a true statement. I mean, the, the annuity of the company um, is, uh, is an increasingly important part of understanding the economics and the sustainability of the performance of land. There's something quite extraordinary about where we sit in the ecosystem. Uh, and the prominence of that business for, for us. Um, it's a business that's growing faster than the installed base. It's a business uh, that is very profitable, um, and it's a business that is obviously, to your point, um, a, a, a core component of the quality of earnings because the serviceability from the OEM is, is everything about that part of our company.
0: Well, it was a remarkable quarter, a remarkable year, and I congratulate you for just delivering for shareholders endlessly. Martin Ansis, the president and CEO of Lamb Research. Thank you, sir.
1: Appreciate it. Thank you.
0: Another chance to buy. What can I say? This one keeps giving you a chance to get in, and that's when you have to pounce. Lamb Money's back for the A little over a year ago, I joked that this market was all about a tale of two fangs. There's the familiar FANG, my acronym for Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, and Google, now Alphabet. And then there's Diamondback Energy, which trades under the symbol FANG. As the price of crude has come roaring, just roaring back to the mid-60s, hey, listen, it was in the 20s not that long ago, thanks to the surging worldwide demand and instability in major petroleum-producing countries like Nigeria and the failed state of Venezuela, Diamondback has become one of the hottest stocks around. In fact, somehow, Fang, Diamondback, has turned into one of the sexiest names of the oil patch. This thing has given you a monster 57% gain from its lows last September. And you know what, it's really, it's, it's nearly doubled over the past two years, which begs the question, how has Diamondback Energy become everybody's favorite growth oil stock? And does it deserve all this adoration? For those of you who don't know, Diamondback is an exploration and production or E&P company that's focused on the Permian Basin. The area in West Texas is practically overflowing with cheap oil. Now the Permian has been red hot for years. It was very attractive when oil prices were sky high, but in a way it became even more attractive after prices crashed, because suddenly the Permian was one of the few shale plays in this country that was still profitable after the crash. It's much cheaper to drill there that in the Bakken, the Niobrara, the Fur, you get it. And that's why Diamondback Energy has been outperforming the group for years and years. It's just that it became a lot more noticeable lately now that the oils have come back into style on in the Wall Street fashion show. So listen to this. These are incredible. Diamondback came public in October of 2012 at $17.50 a share. The stock then surged up to $93 at its highs in June of 2014, right around the time that crude oil peaked. This is when the performance differential started. Because Diamondback was a pure play on the still lucrative permit, it got hurt a lot less badly, I guess is the way you would put it, than the rest of the industry during the big decline. From its peak in 2014 to the industry-wide uh, January collapse in 2016 when crude dipped down to the 20s, Diamondback stock only get the, have to write these numbers down. It only lost 40% of its value. To put that in perspective, the XOP – that's the Standard Imports oil and gas exploration ETF, lost 74% of its value over the same period, 40, 74. Since then, the stock has surged into the stratosphere. While the price of oil is only back to $66 a barrel, Diamondback is now trading well above where it was, above when crude was over 100 bucks. Remember, the stock peaked at 93, three and a half years ago. Now it's 130. You might think that's patently insane. But the truth is that Diamondback hasn't been sitting still for these past few years. It's been working. Let me explain why the stock has become so beloved. If you only learn one thing about Diamondback Energy tonight, learn this. With oil prices once again on the rise, this company's earnings are poised to explode higher. Earnings, actual earnings. When was the last time you heard that from an oil company? Even when crude was down at $40 a barrel, more than 71% of Diamondback's acreage was still profitable. That's why the stock held up so much better than the rest of the industry during the meltdown. The company used the fact that it's used it to its advantage. During the downturn, Diamondback did a series of secondary offerings in order to raise cash, which it promptly spent on acquiring $3.5 billion worth of additional acreage in the Permian, including the $2.2 billion acquisition of Brigham Energy in 2016. Thanks in part to these deals, Diamondback's production is now 18 times greater than when the company came public a little over five years ago. With oil back at 66 a barrel, all of their acreage is profitable, all of it. As crude goes up, the gains flow right to the bottom line of Diamondback. Even better, FANG can quickly ramp up its drilling program. They're going from running six to 12 rigs to running 18 to 20 rigs in order to dramatically boost its production. It's not like they were running at full capacity when crude was in the 40s. Now they can turn the spigot back on. And remember, very few other companies had the bold design to buy other companies when oil went down. Fangs, different. They stepped up to the plate. On top of that, Wall Street just loves a simple story. Investors tend to shy away from the companies that, have, uh, that are hard to understand. It doesn't matter what industry. That's what they do. Diamondback is one of the simplest oil and gas exploration plays on Earth. The company only operates in a single region. And even within the Permian Basin, they're only focused on six core areas. Other oil producers have so much international exposure that you need a degree in farm relations to you get your head around them. Even the other domestics tend to spread their exposure out across multiple different regions, the Permian, the Bakken, the Eagleford, the Nyabara. They have so many parts, you can't figure out what they're doing. Diamondback is a clean story. They don't even have much natural gas, for heaven's sake. That's a terrible industry. Gas makes up just 5% of their production. So you only need to keep track of one commodity, the stronger one. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. What else? Diamondback is far less hedged than most of its peers, meaning they haven't already pre sold most of their product at lower prices. Company only, company's only 39% hedged for 2018. The rest of the group's about 63% hedged. So if you believe oil's going to be, uh, continue to climb like I do, Diamondback will be able to capture more of that upside than its competitors. Of course, if the price of oil goes back down, They'll capture more of the downside, too. Don't forget that. But these guys seem to have a good handle on the market, and hopefully they'll start locking in these higher prices when they can. Diamondback has the lowest cost, uh, cash cost of any operator in the Permian Basin. Their thing, listen to this. $7.67 per barrel. That's all it is. That's their that's all-in. That, in turn, means that they also have the highest cash margins in the group. Oh, and their costs are expected to come down another 5% this quarter because the company found a cheaper source of sand, which is an important resource for horizontal drilling. Best of all, even after this monster run, the stock's cheap. Trades around 19 times this year's earnings estimates, despite having a 63% long-term growth rate. That's much less expensive than Apache or EOG Resources. Both trading at 40 times earnings. Of course, if oil comes down, the estimates will, too. But if you believe in oil, Diamondback remains a terrific buy. The bottom line, sometimes the stock market actually makes some sense. Diamondback Energy has caught fire because it makes a killing from higher oil prices. And as long as crude stays in the 60s, this company will be in great shape. It's not for everybody. This is a wild one. But if you want to bet on a strong oil market, there's only one company worth doing it with, and that's Diamondback. Let's go to Tyler in Texas. Tyler. Hey Jim, how's it going? It is going well. How about you? Oh, pretty good. Uh, So I I previously used to work for a company, I know you're familiar with, Chesapeake Energy. Um, During that time, I uh, received a lot of stock in 401k match because that's what the company gave it to us in in Austin. Um, Until it was recently, the Barnett Shells recently bought out by a French company called Total. Well, uh, my question is, I have a bunch of uh, stock in Chesapeake and... With uh, the fear of hedging coming up, right? I, I, and you know how you know how the market doesn't like Chesapeake, anyways. Right? Uh, should I go ahead and drop that or wait for? Well, earnings? here's the problem I with Chesapeake. Like- Chesapeake is a really a natural gas company, and natural gas doesn't have any growth. So that stock sits at four. The other natural gas companies are equally as uh, underperforming. I don't mind you holding on to it, but understand that unless natural gas goes up, it's not going to go up with the oil and gas group. Alright, Diamondbacks got bite. It makes a killing from these higher oil prices. If you believe in a strong oil market, then FANG! Yes, this FANG is for you. That's just the symbol. Much more Mad Moneyhead. As online gaming continues to grow, how is it revolutionizing the way we view competitive sports? I'm investigating. Then, from post-it notes to aircraft parts, 3M is the industrial giant with the science to make it all possible. But can it take you to new heights? I'm eyeing the company after earnings. And all your calls, rapid fire, in tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. And of course, a look back at the week that was. So stick with Kramer.
1: Monday, kick off the trading day with Squawk on the Street. Live from Post 9 at the NYSE.
0: What a week. Oh boy, it's a great week, and I'm gonna get my vocal cords back to see next week I've got some screaming and yelling today. We'll lose them for good.
1: It all starts at 9 a.m. Eastern.
0: Earlier this week, when we spoke to Bracken Darrell, the CEO of the red hot Logitech, he brought a plus one with him to help us understand the booming esports market where people pay real money to watch professionals play video games in huge arenas. Hey, you know what guys, this is a big story, but I think it's also underestimated and misunderstood by those of us in the older generation who don't have the same relationship with gaming that many of our kids do. That's why we need to consult the experts. Like Mark Depi, he's the acting director of the UC Irvine Esports program. Can you imagine? UC Irvine has been at the forefront of this, of this whole trend and they've already got two scholarship teams one for League of Legends and the other for Overwatch which is an Activision Blizzard product. If you want a career playing football you go to Ohio State. If you want a career playing video games, you go to UC Irvine. If that sounds silly to you, I'm sure people said the same thing about the NCAA 100 years ago. Who wants to watch college students throw a ball around? Turns out a lot of people. On Wednesday we checked in with Depi, he's the esports pioneer from UC Irvine to try to get our heads around the story. Come look.
2: Mark, this has to be huge because now we're talking scholarships for eSports. Absolutely. That's right. UCI is one of the first schools to begin a scholarship program, and we're really excited about it. Now, what do you do? You have sponsors, and therefore that money goes to the school, which then goes to the kids? Yeah, so our program really unique in that it's totally self-funded through a combination of sponsorship money, like uh, our great friends at Logitech. Uh, in addition, we have this really nice land center where people can come in and get a, a social gaming experience by playing their favorite games on top-end machines uh, in a social setting. Tell me about who really is involved now and what meant just, what, was it 10 days ago Overwatch? Yeah. I mean, it, it, millions, right? There's been a ton of buzz around Overwatch and uh, we, we wanted to be a part of it. So we started a scholarship program this year. Um, our team last year, our club team was very successful. So we recruited them all to join us, found a, another couple of superstar players. And our team has swept, swept through this whole season. We're 16-0. Oh, so and you're, you're top in the country. Top in the country, playing for the national title in two weeks. Who's against who? Uh, it's actually the final four. So we're okay. playing against UC San Diego. And the other matchup is UC Berkeley versus Toronto. So Robert Morris not in. I don't think Robert Morris does scholarships for Overwatch at oh, the moment. Oh,
0: okay. You know. Okay. This is just, wow. All right. So you know, moving quick. Here's what I want to, yeah. you know, to me, I remember, uh, I remember when Title IX was put through. Yeah. And women had club sports. Yeah. But there were no scholarships. Yeah. Uh, And anyone who thought that there would have been at the time would have been considered crazy. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's possible that there could be major NCAA eSports?
2: You know, there's a lot of interest from people in eSports right now, including folks at NCAA, other third-party organizers. One thing that's really unique about eSports is that the games are owned by companies, and that's intellectual property – that would have to be involved and so uh, yes it's possible for a group to get in that uh, but I think the way I see it unfolding now is these game companies are choosing to own and operate their own collegiate leagues and uh, I'm very comfortable with that
0: all right now uh, Activision Blizzard stocked did my Josh ourselves it's run up a lot sometimes they have good games sometimes they have Gib. Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: you know games that aren't aren't that hot but mm-hmm. how do we know what games are best for esports great question I think the factors you look for are obviously popularity you okay. want to see people playing the game in large numbers so look for the big numbers um, the game's got to be fun to play over and over and over, and the game's got to be fun and easy to watch, um, compelling stories and entertaining. So uh, I think those are the things you look for. The trouble is everyone's trying to build that game, build right. that next esport. Right. It's not just Am- or not just Blizzard and Riot Games. It's Amazons and the other big people trying to get into it.
0: Right, now, how about Take-Two? You mentioned that. I think Take-Two could have a great basketball franchise. What's take two? Oh, you know, with the NBA 2K. You oh, know, oh. Adam, so Adam, I, I know. You don't know. Yeah.
2: Okay. Adam Silver seems to like it. Okay. Yeah. Publisher. Yeah. Well, I, I'm a little less less bullish on, on uh, the NBA games just because... One, the viewership's not there right now. Right. It's probably the 50th or 60th most-watched eSports. Oh, interesting, okay. And the way they have to modify the game, because it has to be a balanced game, a fair game going into it, so they actually take out the actual players and their faces and their names, and so you're essentially playing with kind of nameless avatars. In that and
0: uh, League of Legends? I mean, obviously, just…
2: League of Legends yep. is the big fish. Everyone's trying to catch League of Legends. We have a scholarship team for that as well. Um, they're very successful. They're currently ranked number two in North America, and we just started our season last week. Excellent. Now I got to ask you about this because it's something that came up with
0: Apple. There's Mm -hmm. uh, people who bought a stake in Apple and thinks that Apple isn't doing enough uh, to deal with addiction of electronics. Mm -hmm. It's a real problem. I know it is.
2: Uh, Is it the parents? Is it the um, are are there? Are you worried? You know, I think I think like any industry, there's there's problems associated with it, and I think we're not going to shy away from those, and we're going to engage and try to support the. The players that are in our program. Right. I think one great thing about having programs is you actually get to meet the gamers. You're pulling them out of their dorm rooms, at that's, their base okay, rooms. Okay, because that's real problem. Yeah. Because it's about bullying. Yeah. It's about it's about inability to socialize, yeah. and you're getting them together changes that. Absolutely, and and we're not just putting them in front of a computer and asking them to play ten hours. They have a personal mm-hmm. trainer. We have a team psychologist. We're doing team building activities, so it's really a team environment. A, a a Great college experience that's kind of a just a bonus thing you do while you're earning a degree. Women, right now, we don't have any women on our scholarship team. You know, if, if you take a snapshot at the industry, it, it's the women haven't gotten that to that level yet. Um, Is there a way to support it so that they do? Uh, absolutely, I think the research shows that given equal opportunity and access and coaching, women are just as good as men, um, but I think. A lot of us do with early, early life socialization, and then you mentioned the the online toxicity and bullying. Right. It's right. The internet can be a pretty terrible place, right. um, and so we're really interested in, in supporting the pipeline and building that. Uh, we hosted a, a girls' summer camp for esports last year, the only camp we held. Um, and we're going to additionally try to kind of get some underrepresented faces in esports uh, as well. So we want to we want to provide access to people who want to compete.
0: Why is it uh, geographically that you know San Diego? You guys. I mean, why isn't it? Uh, you
2: know, Florida, yet New York. When when does that happen? That's a great question. Uh, West Coast is just the best coast when it comes to sports. Well, if you look at the two games we've talked about, League of Legends and Overwatch, the professional scenes are entirely SoCal-based, so you have an elite player base to pull from. Um, I think it's educated parents. I think it's just a high-tech... High tech state and uh, high tech side of the country. So people are growing up, maybe a little bit more comfortable with technology.
0: Okay, so the last question. It, you're convinced it's not a fad or a flash in the pan. A lot of people tell me, Jim, you're too excited about Activision yeah. Blizzard, you're too excited about Overwatch,
2: it's going to go like this and then go like that. Yeah. Uh, I'm very bullish on it. I think the internet has changed every industry on the planet, and esports is the next evolution in competition. You play against who you want, regardless of age, gender, uh, where they live, and you play against people at your ability level. I think that's really powerful. You don't have referees messing up your game for you. The, all the rules are built into the game. So I think our expectations are changing with the Internet, and I think eSports are going to meet those expectations.
0: Well, I, I am in total agreement. I just need to hear from someone. So yeah. I, I'm just thinking maybe I'm too out there. I yeah. think it's very real cool. That's Mark Deppies, the acting director, a.k.a. Chief Gaming Officer of UCI eSports. Stay David Kramer. It is time. It's time for the lightning round, Round goes one of the And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski Daddy, time for the lightning round, Kramer. Let's start with Nader in Virginia. Nader.
1: My main man,
2: Kramer. We yo, love yo. you, man. The best advisor on TV. Ah, you're right. All right. So uh, I got Ford stock. I got in the dollar cost average at about $12.43. Is there hope for me? And I also have a call option for February 2nd at $12. Price. Uh,
0: yeah, Look, I think it's one of the um, – it's on your value, but I don't think it's going to go much higher. They've got too many problems, so I don't think you're going to uh, hit a big one on this one. Let's go to Harry in Pennsylvania. Harry. Yes, uh, thank you for taking my call. Of I have a question on two companies, WW Granger and Range Resources. Well, one of them is great, Granger. They had a fantastic quarter. The other one just can't seem to get out of its own way. Don't fight. Don't Even fight. though Range was one of the worst companies last year, a Pennsylvania company. Uh, so I'm going to say, stay away from that one. Let's go to Bob in New York. Bob. Hey Jim, big boot out dot here from Syracuse, New York. There you hey. go. Oh, well, I like Syracuse. What's up? Um, I I bought Maxim. You you said that about three months ago. Oh yeah. So yeah, I'm just making a killing, should I sell it? No, come on, man. You gotta have a reason to sell. That stock is that company is doing terrifically. I wouldn't sell any of that one. It is terrific. Mike in Florida, Mike. Hey, Jim. This is Mike from Sunny Santa Florida. Oh God, we were um, looking at houses down there. What's up? <laughs> I want to know what you think about uh, Endeavor Logistics. I think it's fine. I think the dividend's safe. I think people don't understand that group. I think you got a winner. And I think that that, uh, actually, I think that whole group is starting to go up. Let's go to uh, Ben in Georgia. Ben. Hello, what's going on, Jim? I'm a uh, big fan. Just wanted to say thank you for all the great advice. It's been a huge help the past couple months. Ah, you're very kind. Thank you. Yeah, so my question is about all scripts. It's M-D-R-X. They got hit with some uh, ransomware attack, and I'm wondering what effect it's going to have on the stock market. Uh, I mean, look, the company's a slow grower. I'm not a big fan. In that segment, I like UnitedHealth, and I like Centene, and I don't need to go any deeper than that. Let's go to Ali in California. Ali. Jim, uh, ba yeah, from Walnut Creek, California. Beautiful part of the country. What's up? So they just issued a release saying they're going to clear an additional $200 million in debt But Goldman just initiated coverage of the cell rating. What do I do with Valiant? You want to own Valiant because Mr. Papa is turning that thing around? It's a long turn, but he's making it happen. I would not sell that stock. Joe in New York, Joe! Hey, booyah, Jim. Booyah. Uh, Jim, I'd like to know about uh, what you think about AKS. No, I don't want to be in a second tier steel company when I can buy MuCorp at discount. And core reports next week, and I think the actual number's going to be okay this time. Let's go to Lee in Wisconsin. Lee. Lee, uh, Jim, thank you for the call. Uh, I'd love to give you some information and in what you think about Exxon Enterprises. Uh, they make... Uh... Yeah, no, we like it. It's Taser. We like them, when, and the stock's been um, just tearing, and I think it should be. We've been recommending it forever, and it's right that it's this high. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the lightning round. <laughs>
1: The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade.
0: How are you, Mr. Kramer? I I I, 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 I um. Get that doll shave. I don't even pay for it anymore. It keeps coming. I've got like raises up this high. And they do cool things too. I gotta tell you, I feel like Brady. Oh no, I want to be Brady. Never mind. The hedge funds had their heads spun, not unlike Reagan in a movie that I still like. Go
2: Eagles.
0: <laughs> go Eagles. Uh, go, go, birds. This shirt is for you. It could be a great revenge item, too, yes. One eBay. How that, many of these you made?
1: One. Just one. Well, That's one on one. Favorite company that I've just bought all the way down to the... I've been holding... And- going on today? That's about 19.
0: Uh, my stock's down 20. All you do for us, Jim, Really, really enjoy the... Uh- <laughs> want to know what a great quarter looks like? I mean like a fabulous quarter. Every earnings season, 3M, the old Minnesota mining and manufacturing, puts on a clinic, showing you exactly how it's done. Here's a company that the analysts struggle with because 3M is a research and development powerhouse, which makes it difficult to model. In other words, there's so much that's new per quarter that the organic growth kind of sneaks up on you. When 3M reported yesterday, it delivered a phenomenal 6% organic growth. The standouts this time is electronics, energy, and safety. A lot of this business came from Asia Pacific, which is something the analysts always seem to discount. They're so focused on the Americas that they simply don't understand everything 3M's got going for it. At the end of the day, this company is all about research and development. 3M's R&D spending creates earnings much faster than pretty much any other business. The statistics matter. Here, get this. 30% 30% of the company's sales come from products that didn't even exist five years ago. 30%. How do you model that? How do you predict all the new household products they make? CEO Inga Thunin sends me a basket of sponges and cleaning products every year. And also some of the other innovations. It's the kind of stuff that would make a parent's day, at least when you move a kid into a new apartment. Which is how I know about these products in the first place. It's not just innovation, though. 3M gives you everything you could ever want from a publicly traded company. While everyone's struggling with higher costs, they reported the costs were lower. While so many companies are trying and failing to put through price increases, 3M succeeded in a way that seemed to surprise many of the analysts. While other businesses attempt to calculate the impact of the new tax code, 3M's already out. There, bingo. Tax rate goes from 2627 down to 2022. We know they're going to reinvest in the business because reinvestment is the lifeblood of 3M. But they're also committed to higher dividends and bigger buybacks. You got a 16% dividend boost, resulting in a better than expected payout yesterday. Now, even better, management raised their buyback forecast from $2 to $4 billion to $2 to $5 billion. I bet it comes in at the high end. Why? Because 3M's share count has shrunk from $708 million to $596 million over the last 10 years. In fact, I think they increased the buyback in part because the stock keeps rallying. Here's the thing. 3M's been doing these things for ages. You know, my dad was a rep in Philadelphia for 3M, whatever they sold, okay? And, and that could help him sell product to retailers for better packaging. It's something that was in his arsenal. Now, I used to go with Pop to his office on Saturdays. We called it the, the place. And then my kids called it the workshop. Retailers always run out of gift wrap and boxes. So he never stopped working on Saturday. He didn't want to disappoint them. I remember one day when 3M came up with this thing called Sashin it was a ribbon that, would, that made it so that retailers could make beautiful bows when they wrapped the product, when they, they wrapped up your stuff and they put a beautiful bow on it. It was so revolutionary that I dazzled kids in my fifth grade class with show and tell about this exact stuff. Yeah, I brought it in for show and tell. If you were someone like my father, you now had a whole new product to make a call on in a business that was typically devoid of any innovation whatsoever. That was 55 years ago. If you want to see this stuff, you can go on eBay and click on it. It's really cool. All I can say is that 3M is constantly giving the pops of the world all kinds of new product to make a call or a sale on. It worked then. It's still working now. Stick with Kramer. The industrials just won't quit. We had a great number from Honeywell today, and boom, the stock took off, took all the others with it, including Cummins, everything that matters industrially. But I got to tell you, next week is tech, and tech, I'm worried about. Like I said, there's always a bull market somewhere. I probably to find funds just for you, right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Kramer, and I will see you Monday.